I mean, I've had wonderful mentors. I've had, but I think probably coming from my parents and the mindset that they just said, if you believe in it and you're willing to do the work, you can get there. But I, I mean, there's been so many great coaches and, you know, just even counterparts within the industry that maybe have a couple more years of experience that have been great to lean on to. But I think the initial foundation of the mindset is probably what has allowed me to dream big. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reid Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. But you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug with the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, the pleasure of speaking with Jennifer Anderson. Jennifer is the founder of the Anderson Coastal Group located in San Diego. Jennifer has simplified the real estate process with the goal of making each transaction easy to understand by educating and empowering her clients to ultimately assist them in achieving their goals. She was named as Realtors Magazine National 30 Under 30 and San Diego's Association of Realtors 40 Under 40. In 2019, Jennifer's team was also recognized in the San Diego Business Journal as the top 20 real estate teams, and she is in the top 1% of residential real estate agents in the country. Now, to top it all off, she's also a publishing member of the Forbes Real Estate Council, a really impressive resume, and I'm really excited to have her on the show today to share her incredible experience and her knowledge. But enough of me, let's get her out here. G'day, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, well, look, I, for people who aren't seeing the video, definitely get over to YouTube and look at the video. But Jennifer is sitting outside in Del Mar, beautiful sunny day under a lovely umbrella. I think I was saying before we press record here, you're the first person to record outside. So uh, thank you for doing that. It's an awesome background. It's not, it's not a fake background. It's a real one. <laughs> it is very real, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we well, I like to start the show off with, um, and I ask all my guests, is rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. 
Oh, that is a great question. Um, I think I've always been drawn to kind of the entrepreneurial side of things. Um, babysitting never stuck for me. Um, <laughs> but I always was motivated by my parents' work ethic. And so probably the first regular pay came with uh, bussing tables. And mm -hmm. I realized that was not going to be sustainable. So then I started networking around and figuring out how I could get into sales roles and anything that could be commission tied. Um, since as a younger kid, I couldn't get the sustainable income from trying the lemonade stand, trying, you know, all of those aspects. But I quickly found a commission to be a great spot for me because I loved the hustle. I love being around people. I love making connections with them and those relationships. So uh, I ended up going through a lot of different ranks in the, the restaurant industry when I was like 14 and 15 as the busser. And then I ended up in sales at Nordstrom. So um, I was one of their top salespeople through college, but it was probably a more regular path than the entrepreneurial side, but it was definitely focused on people and connection and active pace. Um, <laughs> I love, love all of that. Well, it's interesting that um, you're probably the first guest I've had on who's spoken about their love for commission because most people don't want to do that, right? Like particularly when you haven't maybe been bitten by the entrepreneurial bug and it sounds like you knew pretty early on, like 14, 15 years of age that you needed that hustle and you liked the hustle. Uh, most of us entrepreneurs sort of don't really discover that to our early, early 20s and we realize, oh gosh, university is not for me or the the, the the grind is not for me, the the, the corporate grind. So did you ever go into the corporate world at all? Were you, were you working for anyone before you, you stepped out on your own? I tried to do that. I went into commercial real estate. I tried to be in that perfect kind of get great grades in college and follow all the protocols. But what really struck me is I could, I was more than willing to put 80 or hundred hours into work, but that wasn't going to change my compensation or my voice within a place. And I worked a little bit in property management mm -hmm. and immediately I was like, how can we make this more efficient and a better experience for that client and was putting together books on as a property manager and we're roving throughout the county, how can we make each manager know what, what they need to know on the property? How can they better manage the maintenance staff, uh, turn the units? And so uh, when I realized I was so full of ideas, I was like, I just, I can't go up that corporate ladder because there was a lot of ceilings or tape or protocols. And so I think coupled with what I learned uh, at Nordstrom and my love for people and helping them, um, even though it was a clothing-based uh, problem I was solving, that I realized that I was more comfortable taking risks and I was more comfortable walking a path that wasn't maybe clearly marked mm. uh, and trusting my gut. That's huge. And trusting your gut is another very uh, self-aware thing that people at a young age don't necessarily do because they always have the their parents on their shoulder or society telling them, hey, you know, you need to go get a good job. You need to get a 401k. You need to do this, this and that. And so for you, it sounds like you're very, very clear in your goals and the path that you're going to take, which is pretty freaking awesome at a young age, because I'm sure it's now set you up for what's going to be a lifetime of incredible opportunities and, and really building wealth for yourself and for other people around you. So maybe you want to tell the, the audience a little bit about what you do today and what your business is. Yeah. So um, we have created a team down here in San Diego. We specialize in the Del Mar area, but can help all throughout San Diego County. 
And we're coming from a position of educating and empowering our clients. And growing up, I've struggled with school. I'm dyslexic. So what has become or what was once, I guess, considered a disadvantage, I've used it as an advantage in business because there's only so many contracts and forms in a transaction. And I have all of those memorized. (laughs) And when it comes to negotiation or moving people through a process, the I found that the more prepared you are, the better you can kind of guide and steer that. So um, being that area expert on the contracts, the way the transaction could unfold, having seen so many different types of transactions come together, we're really able to come alongside and help our clients who maybe this is their first home, maybe it's their 10th home, but maybe outside of that, you know, they're a doctor or they're a researcher. So they're their own area expert, but the negotiation component, the moving parts of unsettling yourself, you know, moving is inherently a stressful situation. So that's really where we come alongside and use that expertise to make them feel like they're completely in the driver's seat, making great decisions for themselves. And they don't have to stay up at night Googling to make sure they haven't forgotten any details. You know, it's just, you know, we really want to make them feel as comfortable as possible and sure that they're making the best decisions for them. And I think the this sort of segues into what we're going to get into, which is negotiation and the powers of negotiation. But with true power comes from knowledge, right? And, and leading with that education piece, making sure that the client is felt like they understand the process is really probably a very key fundamental in your business to separate you from the other folks in your industry, right? And so I think it's so important. And regardless of what industry or business you're in, it doesn't have to be real estate or being an agent or an investor or whatever. You could, be, you could have it as a widget, right? You could be selling anything. Um, but it's really important to lead with that education and empowering in order to help people feel like they know what they're doing so they feel like they're making the right decision. Because 99% of investments decisions can sometimes go awry or, or go south because people are unsure or they start second guessing. And when second guessing comes from not knowing and not being sure about what you're doing. So having someone like yourself and your team there to, to guide the way, I think is awesome. So maybe you can get us into some of the contracts and some tips and advice on the best negotiating practices you know, when you are looking to buy a home. Yeah. So what we do for anyone that's coming in, let's say on the buy side, is we have an initial consultation. And this is really like a meet and greet, share all of your dreams, best case scenario, uh, share a little bit about any concerns you might have regarding the process. Um, and we also spend a little time there sharing a little, like having them share with us, when have they had to negotiate? Was this only for the job that they've now been in for 20 years? Um, Is this something they do daily regarding their space in maybe a tech startup? And I talk about negotiation with them just from a perspective of how many times do they feel they've interacted with like a a situation that really was led through negotiation. And after that, we set up um, an offer workshop, which is taking each person through the contract, talking about you know, what does escrow look like? And even if you bought a hundred homes, you know, what does it look like here in San Diego County this week with the pace with jumbo loans, if you're buying cash. And then we start to talk about with the terms, what it means if you're offering it or not. And I continue through this process, getting engaged with them. How would that make you feel if we shorten this timeframe up? Would you feel rushed or do you feel like you can make quick decisions? So The offer workshop is to educate them on the offer, but it's also a tool for me to gauge how aggressive they would be comfortable being in a negotiation or if they really want it to be 
really collaborative and smooth and easy. And it's maybe not necessarily the best price, but it's the easiest transaction that they value because each person has their own real estate goals. So um, we spend a lot of time getting ready um, on the buyer side before we even go out to look at homes. And after that, they have a lot more confidence in, okay, if we're going to make an offer, this is what it means. If someone's asking this in the contract, I know that here's a fair way to come back or here's a stronger way to come back in response. Right. Uh, for the sellers, we're doing the same thing because you might get multiple offers, which sounds like everyone's dream. But if you're someone that needs time to process, it, you know, you got to make sure you're cl- um, corralling all that activity and not losing it by taking too long to respond. So mm. there's a lot of leg work on both sides uh, to talk about the flow and what to expect and how to make quick decisions and what decisions can be made ahead of time, even though you don't know how a negotiation is going to go, like your must have, your pillars, like I need to be out of this house in 60 days. Well, mm-hmm. okay, so that's our land, you know, our flag in the ground. What do we need to do to accomplish, you know, that goal? Right. And did this come, you know, setting up tools and, you know, I think I just wrote down here, tools to gauge your clients. I think it's really important, but that surely you didn't just start with that. Like you didn't come up with that idea. I'm sure there was a, some stumbling blocks along the way going, hey, this process needs to get more efficient because my clients on both sides are running around with their head chopped off like a chicken. <laughs> so did this come over a period of time and have you refined it as you've grown as a company? So I think this goes back to my school days where I struggled a lot with reading and I would have to memorize, you know, I don't know if you ever did like the popcorn reading or whatever they call it, where one kid reads and then they call out the next person. I had to negotiate with my teachers the night before to be assigned a specific paragraph. So it looked like they were calling on me randomly and I didn't read it. I just reiterated, you know, I had it all memorized and restated. So what I started to see is, you know, if someone is not very comfortable with negotiation, then we should have all of those bullet points planned ahead of time, just like memorizing my presentation, you know, my little chapter I'd read in front of the class, so that the only thing we're having to make a decision on is do they like the house or not? Not do we like the house or not? Now, how do we go about getting it? And so I think it just, there was a lot of parallels for the anxiety or fear or just those negative emotions that came in you know early school from a reading standpoint that it was kind of second nature as I started to read people's emotions or see where they got stuck making decisions that the more proactive and focused on education in the beginning we could be that it would make the process easier and more enjoyable for them and it would also provide a sense of control and certainty because at the end of the day we're all searching for certainty you know whether it is the home purchase your partner in life, you know, it's all, you know, that is a very good feeling if you can feel certain. It's uh, what Tony Robbins, one of his seven human needs or whatever it is. <laughs> no, I love it. I think it's really important to understand the certainty, understand the process and be, and I'm giving you praise here because I think it's, it's clearly at a young age you realized this was a issue for you in terms of the way you viewed the world and the way you had anxiety and uncertainty in your life to bring it to a business process that will help streamline other people's uncertainty and anxiety. All of us in our businesses, regardless of what you do, if you are bringing on clients or you have customer service, how are you providing the best experience for your customers? And I think that's super, super important. Uh, And something that you constantly got to keep evolving over time. So with that being said, how are you evolving these processes and interactions with your clients 
So you are staying ahead of the curve and not just becoming dull over time with, with the current processes. Well, our clients become our friends very quickly and they start, and, you know, with that friendship, there's an even deeper level of trust. So as we're going through the process um, and we're even bringing in past clients to get to know them, we're getting more experience shares and we're creating more of a, like a tribe. Our sense of community is growing rapidly and that helps us to continue to stay fresh because the more doctors we're helping, we're starting to see a pattern about tight schedules, hard for them to meet at certain hours. So like now we're really getting into different like demographic buckets that people are relatable in meeting one another, but then also we're able to pick their brains and kind of learn more how we could make this process speak to them. Um, right now with COVID, a lot of video calls, screen sharing, um, but then we're also knowing that with older clients that don't like technology or just anyone in general who's not drawn to technology, um, getting it sent over digitally ahead of time for them so they've got an opportunity to print out. I mean, our business isn't, you know, saving lives. It's about, <laughs> it's about being able to ask the right questions to get into someone's mindset to create that trust and to I mean, each client, we're growing our process because we're learning that specific client's needs. Mm. Um, we contribute to Forbes and we have a, our finger on the pulse here as far as like the commercial and residential real estate market. And I think keeping those two markets in mind and not just focusing strictly on residential helps us to also anticipate our clients' needs. You know, if there's a, a big shift in what apartments are doing with their rent, our investors are going to be impacted because they're probably going to need to adjust their rents in some way. The evictions um, right now are frozen due to yep. COVID. So, you know, what are those needs now um, from an attorney standpoint, if you have someone that's not paying, um, you know, but what's also the best thing for the relationship between the landlord and tenant during these kind of uncertain times. So uh, compared to other businesses, it's probably more of an organic um kind of holistic, creating a deeper relationship that we're continuing to evolve, but also just my hunger for staying on top of what's happening in commercial and residential real estate. The nuggets just start to come out as you're learning about it. You know, right. this latest news, you know, we're, we are able to go do showings again. You know, when we weren't, now we had to figure out all the best virtual to, tours to get to people that didn't want to look at them on their cell phone. So it's kind of ever evolving. And I think that's in a great segue into what are you seeing in terms of trends across both resi and commercial in your area that may somewhat related to, to COVID, but just in general, how is the market reacting to this whole second wave coming through California? That is a great question. Um, we went on pause for the first wave and then picked back up pretty quickly. There were definitely some speed bumps for people buying in the luxury price point needing a jumbo loan. That was a little dicey, but there were still people that were doing those loans so we could get them, you know, into the home. But we're seeing a kind of a divided market. The people that feel very comfortable in their job and maybe have even been working like overtime, those people are very comfortable to be looking actively in the real estate market to be moving up. That's the other trend. We're seeing everyone moving up. Um, I haven't had anyone downsized through this process yet. Interesting. Um, we've had people that are considering moving out of area, but it's also a little too soon because they don't know if they'll need to go back into the office once all this clears. Mm. But with 
the uh, restrictions on evicting tenants, we started to see on the commercial standpoint that more apartment buildings were doing concessions or incentives to keep people. And they were really working that angle hard. So some of the private investors were losing some of their tenants to these newer apartment buildings that were maybe putting significant drops for the year. Um, the other thing we've started to see too with the second spike is a little bit of a dip in new inventory coming to market. And we noticed that vacant homes, people are very happy to put those on the market. Owner occupied, they're a little bit more cautious about what's the protocol, how often are people coming through. Uh, it's probably the first time I've seen in the industry people be really focused on, I want to see the pre-approval letter, the proof of funds. Mm -hmm. I want to know they did the virtual tour and I want them to have driven by the house before we let them in. Whereas before those kind of um, hoops to go through weren't as common in the marketplace. Right. So with the second spike in numbers, I think it's a little soon to see what the trend is. But the initial thing we saw last week was a decrease in the number of new listings coming to market compared to some of the others. And are you looking at a week-on-week -week basis, given we are in COVID? We're, we're uh, weekly. We check it on Mondays to see kind of what went through um, escrow or anything like that over the weekends. The catch with our regulations in San Diego is you have up to three days to publish a status change. Mm. So it, it's fairly active or accurate, but it could have a little bit of a lag time. So we've been studying the market from below a million, one to 2.5 million, and then above two and a half million. And then we're also watching really closely what's happening with multifamily and office space and seeing, you know, like multifamily had a delay in a lot of their uh, permits that are, you know, any of their developments they've been doing, they've been pressing pause. It's not that they're canceling, but there's been a number of pauses that have happened for new product coming to market, which makes sense. On the office side, what are you seeing? Because that's been the big one that we haven't, and I know we're in, you're in Southern California, which is a little bit different to where I'm invested, but any sort of trends that you're seeing in terms of office? A lot more people, are they skipping out on their leases now? Are they realizing that COVID is not going to be coming back at all? <laughs> so we're hearing about a lot of people that are switching their company or the majority of their employees to having the option to work from home. A mm -hmm. lot of companies are extending into the fall to not use the office space. Um, I've been hearing about a lot of people renegotiating those leases, trying to break the lease, trying to get a lower rate. Um, I think the people that we've spoken with that are experts in that space are really working hard to see how can we repurpose the office space and keep it safe. Right. Um, and what is that going to look like? So given we are not selling in the office space, I wouldn't feel as comfortable predicting where that's going. Uh, but everyone is aware of that change and trying to do that delicate balance of, you know, how do we retain the talent? And where are they happiest? Is it going to be at home or are they needing to get out of the house and come back? And that's a good piece of nugget for those people who have businesses in office but rent office space is to try and retain talent and see how much space is really going to be needed in the future. So time is really going to tell on that office industry and how much it's going to be impacted and is this going to be the seismic shift that everyone thinks that, you know, back to work from home or we're downsizing in terms of how much, you know, 10,000 square foot of office space. Do you need 10,000? Maybe you need 5,000. So all these different things are still very much up in the air. And particularly as we're still really close to the fire right now, we're really flying close to the sun in terms of COVID. We haven't really come out of it yet. So with that being said, what's your sort of vision for the company and, and over the next six months uh, coming into the end of 2020? 
Well, we've really shifted over to uh, digital presence. So it was great that you and I were able to connect, but we're trying to continue to educate uh, the San Diego marketplace and even with our contributions to Forbes. Um, we're just trying to really help people find as much certainty as they can with their home purchase, their home ownership, you know, what improvements should they be doing? Uh, so we're really focused on the community and helping be that resource to educate them on what's the next best step for them. Right, right. And I think that's wise for any business in this in these uncertain times, being that beacon of hope and light um, for your clients and getting in front of it, I think is really important. I think it sounds like you're doing all of that. Before we get into the final round of the top five investing tips, I really want to ask um, more of a personal question. How, how's it been? I don't interview a lot of females on this show and, and it's sort of an indication of the real estate industry in general. Just curious, how's it been being a female CEO and, and business owner coming through the ranks and dealing with all that macho BS? <laughs> Well, on residential, we actually have a little bit of skewed numbers. Okay. We're female than male. Uh, I would say in my 20s, it was a little scary. Like, is this, I never saw myself as a business owner. I mean, I knew I always wanted to stir things up, but am I charging down the right path? And mm -hmm. am I placing value the right way on relationships to be able to have a sustainable business? So it, it definitely was exhilarating and a little, you know, a little stressful, a little fearful. Like, you know, is this the right step or am I supposed to follow the corporate ladder, you know, all those processes. But what I've really liked about it is my ability to help others so quickly and my ability to find what I'm good at and be able to find other people and what they're really good at and create this team that is so fun to work with and everyone feels that their contributions are very important and that, you know, that, that's been my biggest focus is putting people in the right seat on the bus mm -hmm. so that they can shine and feel great about that themselves and have fun working. And it doesn't feel like a career. I mean, if it's, it's a career, not a job. Right. Right. How did you, how did you overcome those chatter in the brain in those early days to, to, to know that you were on the right path? Cause it's, no matter if you're male or female, being an entrepreneur is a really scary thing. And my wife is also an entrepreneur. And, you know, I know that she needs that community around her to know that she's doing the right thing, where for me, it's a little bit more of a lone wolf type of thing, you know, going off and doing your own, you know, I'm just going to go off and do it and screw, screw, you know, that, that white guy confidence. Um, what's the, uh, what's it been like? What a piece of advice do you have for other female entrepreneurs out there listening to the show, wanting to take that next step and maybe cautious? I think leaning into your community is a great uh, resource and it, you know, it's a great sounding board, but for me, it was, what are my like crazy big goals? And I was willing to look five, 10, 15 years out without any reservations on how big of a goal it was. Mm -hmm. And then scaling it back to what would that mean I'd need to do today? And so when I first started, I held an open house every single day. I dropped off flyers in the area. I mean, I did like the grassroots, just basic, nothing fancy. Yep. And I started to create the relationships. And to this day, people are like, oh, I remember when you entered the marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it's just, it's the consistency and the commitment to the big vision and finding a vision that excites you and has purpose and like your why behind it. For me, recognizing that I struggled so much in school 
and a few people were willing to stand for me and those teachers that would let me kind of work around the system um, and memorize what I had to read out loud the next day and not count me, uh, you know, or dock my grade because they called on me at random and I couldn't read. Mm. Uh, I really found that that was the same gift that I could give back to people in the space of negotiation and real estate. So I think being clear on what excites you helps curb any fear or anxiety you might have around the uncertainty of, will this all come together? Another great golden nugget there is breaking it down into its uh, into its pieces. And, it, and so many people have these goals and aspirations 15, 10, 15 years in the future, but it, it scares them, right? Because it's so big. And having the ability to go, okay, that's, that's what I need to do over here. But really, what is step number one? And to your point before, I just wrote it down, nothing fancy. You just did that sort of guerrilla marketing and door knocking and dropping off flyers and having open houses and being memorable in your area so people can say, yeah, that was that girl who was just doing it all the time and hustling, you know? And so I think that's uh, kudos to you for having that ability because not everyone does, right? Everyone just sees the big goal and go, I give up. I can't, I don't even know what step one is. And so uh, that's really, really awesome. At the end of every show, Jennifer, we love to dive into the top five investing tips. Are you ready to get into it? Sure. What is your daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Well, we always have uh, like a quick morning touch base and we run through our top priorities. What are the number five, like top five things that have to get done today? What are the five that would be really great? Um, and then what are the five that we need to be looking at for tomorrow? So I like fives. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Question number two is who's the most influential person in your career to date? Oh my gosh. It's hard to pick one. Um, I mean, I've had wonderful mentors I've had, but I think probably coming from my parents and the mindset that they just said, if you believe in it and you're willing to do the work, you can get there. But right. I, I mean, there's been so many great coaches and, you know, just even counterparts within the industry that maybe have a couple more years of experience that have been great to lean on to. But I think the initial foundation of the mindset is probably what has allowed me to dream big. Yes, no, I think that's awesome. And having those parents to lay those foundations for you to go off and be a great springboard into life and tackle whatever you, know, you put your mind to. So, so well, thanks, parents. <laughs> um, question number three is, what is the most influential tool in your business? And when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a phone or a journal, or it could be a piece of software that you can't be without and the business won't run without that tool. So what is it? Ooh, that is a good question too. Um, well, now that we've shifted with COVID, I think things along the lines like the virtual tours, the DocuSign, uh, the ability to be anything that's making the connection with people as close to being in person. Mm. Uh, one of our tools that we have just within our brokerage is, you know, creating a collection so clients can put comments live, we can respond, we can be chatting back and forth, going through the virtual tour together. So I think technology... I mean, the cell phone. Oh, I don't know that I can pick one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to pick one, but it's. I think it's the tools that create that connection as if we're live. Right, right. And I think it's going to be more and more prevalent as we move through this COVID time and you know, a new reality that we're all going to live in. And particularly in businesses like yours and, and like mine, I know I'm on the leasing side of on my business, you know, virtual tools are the, the new thing, but not all my demographic knows how to use a smartphone. So it's like how to train that those people to start using these new tools that we have. Um, similar to what you said earlier, you have older folks who don't like the technology. You've got to deliver them the papers before they sign. So I think it's really, really important. Uh, question number four is, 
In one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from that failure? Probably waiting, hesitating, okay. uh, getting in my head about something. And I don't know that I would call it a failure as much as it just, it, it wasn't as confident like building because I was pausing and, you know, it just, I should just be in motion because um, it all comes, I've learned it comes together when you're in motion. So, mm. um, but I mean, I've moved markets before and I thought that was going to be career suicide, but being in motion is, is something that I've seen can correct missteps. Um, I don't, I don't believe in failure. It's every missteps and lessons, right. That you learn yes. along the way. No, that's awesome. No, I think it's being caught in your head too much and overanalyzing. Um, now, education and you know analyzing projects and deals and and contracts and all that stuff is is needed but it comes to a point where i think you said it earlier in the show it's like a constant that stuff ain't changing the numbers ain't changing the contracts aren't changing it's about your mindset in and around making a goddamn decision so i think that's uh that's really really important uh last question jennifer is where can people reach you to continue the conversation they want to be in your sphere where do they go uh you can reach us on our website it's andersoncoastal.com um my Mobile is 858-210-8772 or email, but we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, and we can provide all those links at the end as well. Awesome. Well, uh, we will provide all those links in the show notes. Look, Jennifer, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from this incredible conversation. I think the biggest thing that I took away was your ability to realize not necessarily your shortcomings, but maybe some of the things that you had as a child and use it to your advantage as an adult in the world of creating a business, like your dyslexia. I can relate. I was also that nervous kid uh, in the classroom. Don't please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. But I didn't have the where you know the smarts to go up and ask and negotiate with the teacher. Hey, can you tell me what that paragraph's going to be for the next day? So kudos to you. And I think understanding to build those systems as you grow and evolve, and being self-aware enough to see other people's anxieties and uncertainties and lay out a process so they don't have the same anxieties uh, that you had and you experienced as a child reading in front of the class. So, um, yeah, did I leave anything out? No, I think you did a perfect recap. And awesome. thank you so much for having me on your show today. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week and have a great weekend, and we'll catch up very, very soon. All right. Thanks. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Jennifer. Please do go check her out. All the links from today's show will be up on our show notes uh, on my website at reedgoosens.com. Jennifer is a wealth of knowledge in the San Diego and Del Mar area in Southern California. Please do check her out and all the work that her and her team are doing. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is give us a five-star review on iTunes. And we're going to do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.